how's it going? Welcome to my brand new podcast, Second Chance. Firstly, thanks a million for listening. My name is Ryan Andrews. I'm 27 years of age. I'm from Donamead in Dublin. For anyone that doesn't know me, I'm probably most well known for my role on Fair City for the last 10 years, and most recently a finalist on this year's Dancing with the Stars. I've had the idea for a podcast for a long, long time now, but I always use the excuse of not having enough time or to sit down and actually get going at it. I suppose if I'm honest, I'm always a bit hesitant when it comes to trying new things and start new projects. I guess I'm a bit afraid of failure, which is what I'll talk about a little later on in the podcast. Lockdown and the whole global pandemic meant I no longer had a reason to put it off. So this is what I've been doing with my time over the last 10 weeks. You can probably hear by my voice, I'm very nervous, uh, but I'm also equally very, very excited to get started. I'm a talker, I think I get that from my dad, and anyone that knows me would say, Jesus, he never shuts up. Talking into this mic is actually a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. The idea behind the podcast is to get an access all areas, a behind the scenes pass into the lives of my guests. Some of them are my very close friends, and they are some of Ireland's most well-known faces, and others I've never actually met before, but I've admired them from afar. There's no scripts with this, which is a bit unusual for me because I want to keep it real. I want to keep the conversation raw and natural and casual. We all know from social media these days that things can look a certain way on the outside. But what, what's the backstory? We all have a story to tell. What opportunities, failures, decisions and breakthroughs have put my guests where they are today. Second Chance will delve deep into the paths and journeys that my guests have taken in becoming who they are today. And maybe we'll find out along the way that all it takes is a second chance. On today's episode, I'm going to kick things off with my own story, my defining moments that have made me who I am today. There are things that I'm going to say today that I don't think I've actually ever said before. And to be honest, I can't believe I'm saying them now. I want you all to know me a little bit better before we get through the rest of the series with some of my other incredible guests. I live at home with my mom, my dad and my older brother. Growing up, I was big in the sport. I played every sport you can imagine. Football, basketball, GAA. I joined the squash team just to get out of class most of the time. And the table tennis team to get a half day of school as well. I don't know how my mom and dad managed to actually tax me around everywhere, but they did. It was like a full-time job. Primary school were the best days of my life. St. Peter's and Paul's and Baldoyle. It's actually where Nicky Byrne and Robbie Brady went as well. The teachers, they were incredible. I still call them Sir and Miss if I was to see them on the street. I have so much respect for them. That school shaped me in so many ways. I don't think primary school teachers get the credit they deserve. My girlfriend, Michaela, is a primary school teacher and she teaches senior infants. I see the love, effort, attention she puts into every single child. That's what's so great about primary school. In particular, I felt that in primary schools, the teachers knew you. They knew your likes, they knew your dislikes, they knew how you learn and what you need. I was very creative in school. I loved drawing, making things. I'm a visual learner, so once I saw something, I could do it. I was never the strongest reader in school. I don't know if I'd say I struggled, but I was just never confident at it. I never read books. I absolutely hated being asked to read out loud. It's actually funny if you think about it that I've ended up reading scripts for a living as an actor, but it was something that I always felt and still to this day feel very uncomfortable doing. At a young age, I learned 
kind of like remember things by looking at them, which is kind of stood to me later in life for learning scripts. Even for exams, I could remember answers. I never necessarily knew what they meant. Towards the last years in primary school was where performing came knocking at my door. I should really say I went knocking at its door because I saw an ad in the paper looking for kids for a summer production of Singing in the Rain in the Olympia Theatre. I ran into my mum and dad and I said, this is what I want to do. I want to go for it. They thought I'd gone mad. Like I'd been brought up with this old school Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire. My dad loved all of that. No one else in my family was into acting or performing. So I was the first person to kind of jump into it. I always loved not showing off. I wanted to perform. I wanted to be on stage. So I ended up going for that audition. I got it. I got the part of the young Gene Kelly, Don Lockwood was the character. And I played the part for five weeks. It was that eye opening moment of this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Or this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I was 10 years of age standing on that Olympia stage with 1,220 people staring. And I loved every minute. In between scenes, I would I would sit backstage beside the stage manager, taking it all in and just watching. And I still do that. I do it now during the Olympia Panto. I walk off stage from scene and I just stand there and watch it all happen. It's mad actually talking about it now, that the habits you pick up at a young age and how they stay with you. And it's only now that I'm talking about it that I even realise where I get that from. About a year later, I saw another ad in the paper. And again, it's when you talk about taking chances. This was most certainly another one of those. The ad said, do you want to star in the Olympia Panto? I ran in, I told my mum and dad I was going to go for it. The day before the audition, I remember, down in Wexford on holidays, I sprained my ankle playing football. I said to my dad, right, that's it, I'm not going. <laughs> I could barely walk. Like My dad says, you're going. They won't be looking at your feet, they would be looking at your face, so you better smile. That's what I did. I went up on crutches, I stood in the queue, I left the crutches with my dad and went into the audition room. It was in the Ambassador Theatre in Dublin and I got it. I was 11 years of age, the show was Bugsy Malone. It was doing that same show where I actually met my now girlfriend, Michaela, who was also 11 at the time and yet it was in the Olympia again. I've been in that same panto in the Olympia Theatre for the past 15 years I started out as one of those kids and over the last 15 years I've worked my way up, going for parts every single year, getting rejected, then I was getting the understudy and I kept trying every single year to get that main part. I'd end up having to wait a whole year to go for that part again. Finally, at the age of 15, I got the lead role of Robin Hood and I've been the lead ever since. I'm now the writer, the creative director and actually I thought I created a saying but I ended up seeing that Walt Disney originally said it. It's very important to know what the people want, but it's even more important to know what they don't want. And I always stick by that when writing the script and putting my, my opinion in. The audience are the most important. I, I give so much to each of my roles in the show and I, I take it very, very seriously. It has to be without doubt giving me the best memories of my life. I love every single second of it, the whole process, the whole experience. I'm so grateful to be still there and still be a part of it. It's one of the best journeys I've ever gone on. Then, secondary school came knocking. <laughs> and to be honest, that's where things got a little bit more difficult. I don't know what it was about secondary school, but it just wasn't for me. Like I said, in primary, primary school, everyone knew your name. They knew your family. There's a real connection and it's personal. In secondary school, I felt just like a number. And, and that didn't suit me. In, in my school, we were divided into classes by your surname. So I was in the first class because of A, Andrews. 
for like the first seven months, teachers would just call me Andrew and I didn't get it. Like, you know, coming back to the reading then again, the teachers would call Andrew's two paragraphs and the sweat would be dripping down my back having to get up and read in front of everyone. Even thinking about it now, the fear, like it's coming back to me, but they didn't know I had that fear of reading. I became bored. I was restless. That's when I started messing and getting into trouble. I was never cheeky or rude, but I just wanted a bit of crack and I ended up in detention every single week. And that wasn't who I wanted to be. But I suppose I was looking for an excuse because I just wasn't enjoying it. It also happened to be one of my busiest times work-wise because I was working a lot outside of school. My acting career was really, really going well. I was working a lot on short films, Irish feature films, and I was getting treated, treated like an adult on set, which was fantastic. Then a call came in for an audition for an RT series called The Clinic. Now, my mom was only telling the story to my auntie the other day. I actually can't remember it. I think I was about 12 at the time. The big show rang and said, we've seen Ryan. We want to get him in. Could you bring him in today for an audition? So they sent me the script over and the script came in. It was about seven pages long. I said, no way. Absolutely. There's no way I'm going to learn that by three o'clock today. I was panicking and I didn't want to do it. So my mom said, you will, of course, you can do it. Just go in. So I went in made a holy show myself in that audition room, forgot the script going in, I couldn't go back out to get it, so I ended up having to improv the whole thing with the director and the casting director. Walked out thinking, that was the worst experience of my life. I never want to do it again. By the time me and my dad walked back into my car, they rang and they said, we want to give Ryan the part. I learned so much working with actors on that show, like Chris O'Dowd, there was Aidan Turner, Amy Huberman, so many big stars. Only thinking back, my dad actually used to get off work all the time to bring me to auditions, which was mad. Like, I don't even know how he did it. I think I told the story actually recently in an interview on, or could have been on Dancing with the Stars. I was saying how he always supported me and how he took time off work. He went mad and he said, don't ever say that again. The job will kill me. My dad works in Guinnesses. He's been there for years. He's worked there like my whole life. And I think he used to just tell the boss that he was just going out the back to get something. I used to meet him in town. I would have got the bus or the dart from school and my dad would meet me and walk me right up to that audition. I can safely say I wouldn't have got half the things I have without my dad being there and my mom too. That got me thinking, if I didn't go for that audition for the clinic, would I be even doing this? It's mad <laughs> what can come out of those chances we take and what seems like small decisions can have such a big impact. By this time, I was in third year in school, junior cert year. My focus was still mainly outside of school. I was working a lot. And this ultimately led me to making one of the biggest decisions of my life, leaving school. I left at age 15, just after my junior cert. At the time, I didn't think anything of it. To me, it seemed like probably the most obvious decision. I knew I was messing too much. At that stage, I was getting suspended. I had little to no interest. Of course, this decision was met with a lot of negativity from other family members and friends and teachers. People thought, everyone thought it was the wrong decision. To be honest, if I probably was talking to a 15-year-old now and they said that they wanted to leave school, I probably would say, no, no, don't do it. You're, you're making a mistake. But I was happier outside of school at that time. I wanted to get started on my career. I wanted to get started on life. It was what I needed at the time. It didn't faze me. I was probably a lot more fearless when I was younger. And my mom and dad supported me. They knew I wanted to give it a shot. 
look, I could always go back, do it again if it didn't work out. And yes, I missed out on things in school, I suppose. I never had a six-year holiday. I never did the leaving cert. I never went to college. But making that life-changing decision at such a young age taught me a lot too. And it gave me a resilience, a determination that I never had before. So I'm 15, I left school, and I'm ready to take on the world. And then I'm diagnosed with a life-changing condition. I was diagnosed with both scoliosis, a curvature of the spine, and Sherman's kyphosis, which is the rounditure of the shoulders. This diagnosis came completely out of the blue. I had basically noticed that my back was always kind of uncomfortable and in pain. My posture wasn't the same as it used to be. I was slouching a lot. I didn't know what it was. And I said to my mum and dad, and they said, right, that's it. We're off to Crumlin. I was like, ah, Jesus, no, it's not that serious. I said, give me Calpol or something. I said, I'm not going to Crumlin. But they insisted. And I ended up having all the tests, x-rays and stuff. And the doctor confirmed it was scoliosis and Sherman's kyphosis. He said, look, we don't know what way this is going to pan out. You're only 15. You have a lot grown in you to do. I took it with a pinch of salt and I said, grand doctor, cheers. Thanks very much. I have a football match in about 15 minutes. So I'll see you then. I was put in a stretching program, a gym program. I never let it get in the way of anything. Maybe I've just gotten used to it. Maybe I got used to the pain or, or the feeling of discomfort. I just don't like going on about it or being negative. So I probably learned to block it out. Most people, even the people closest to me, never knew I had this condition until I spoke about it on Dancing with the Stars this year, which I will get to now in a few minutes. I love those stories of people being in the right place at the right time. My dad has a phrase as well. He says, if it's for you, it won't pass you. So when I left school, I got a call from Fair City. They had seen me on the clinic and asked me to come in and read for the part of Sean Cassidy, which I'm still playing to this day. And I got it. This opportunity changed my life. The Fair City cast are like a, a second family to me. And I've made some of my best friends there. Like it's mad. You can go to college. You can do all those things and get degrees. But it's until you're actually out there in the real world. That's where you learn. And I do feel sorry for people who feel that there is only one way to be successful. There are so many different ways to get where you want to be. And that actually brings me on to the next big chapter or big decision that came into my life. There was a performing arts college in London that I always had my eye on. Amazing teachers, loads of opportunities to study drama further, to learn from people, theatre studies. It's all I wanted. I felt it would bring me to the next level. But I was going to have to walk away from an awful lot in Ireland if I decided to go. So I had a meeting with Fair City and I said, look, this is what I want to do. But I'm afraid I'll never be able to come back to my role. They agreed not to kill my character off. Thank God I was able to go knowing that I might be able to get back into Fair City when I finished. They left it open for me for the future, which I'm still grateful for them to this day. The panto said, go for it and you can come back at Christmas time. And they supported me. My whole family were encouraging me. Michaela was on board. So I went for it. I was awarded a full scholarship for all my college fees and stuff. But I still had to pay for my own accommodation and day-to-day living. That's where all my savings from work had come in handy. I supported myself, flights, everything. And, you know, actually thinking, if I had a son and he was 17 years of age and he came up to me and said, right, dad, I'm off to England. I'd be saying, you're going nowhere. You can barely tie your shoelaces. But look, I went, the day arrived, 
And I literally had an Adidas backpack or school bag with everything I needed. So my dad flew over with me. He dropped me over to the digs. And I remember he had a flight back the same day. So he basically just dropped me off and had to go straight back to the train station. And thinking back on that memory now, this is one of the memories, probably my first memory of being really, really emotional. We walked back to the train station and we thought we had like a half an hour before the train came to say goodbye. You know, the conversation where we said best of luck and we love you and all that. It was going to be three months before I saw him next, but to a 17-year-old lad, three months might have been three years. But the train came early. He had to rush. He ran. He got it. And the door closed and he, the train just kind of took him away. And I was left there on my own in the middle of London, 17 years of age, sitting in that train station. No friends. I knew nobody. Wondering there, what am I doing? It ended up being a brilliant experience. For those few months that I was there, I made so many friends. I learned so much. It was hard though. Like it was a very physical demanding course. And I remember my back was being in a lot of pain. Then came a moment that has stuck with me every day since it happened. I remember one day being in a class and the teacher just called me up out of the blue randomly to the top of the class. She said, take off your top. She said to all the other students, if you stand like this, no one will look at you. They won't take you seriously. And she was referring to my posture, how I was standing. She said that I would never have the ability to be a performer. And hearing that, I was absolutely devastated. I was embarrassed. I felt like everyone thought I didn't belong there. Thankfully, that was just one teacher. And for the rest of my time there, I had a brilliant experience I came home for Christmas, came back to Ireland to work at the Olympia Pando. Then in January, when I was ready to get back to London, when my mum and dad called me, they said, look, financially, this isn't going to be possible. They couldn't do it. Up until that point, I had pretty much funded myself with my savings, but the family were going through a hard time. Like most families at the time, they didn't have the means to get me back to London. I was shattered. I had worked so hard to get there and now money was the only thing standing in my way. I said family is more important and I accepted that. It wasn't going to happen. I rang the college the next day and explained the situation. They got back and said, look, we need you. We want you to be here. We love you. We'll cover all your expenses. We'll cover all your digs. You can pay us back at a later time. And I said, no, I had an incredible experience. But I realized if I did stay in college at the end of those three years, what would it do for me? I wanted to work professionally, which I was already doing in Ireland. So I didn't go back. Instead, I swallowed my pride. Everyone was saying to me, oh, the England thing didn't work out. Oh, did you not like it? Oh, you're coming back to us now. But I didn't let that bother me. I didn't have a penny to my name coming home from England. After getting all my stuff, I had literally two euro in my pocket, just enough to buy a cup of tea on the plane home. I arrived back and I felt like, I was starting from scratch. I felt like 15 all over again. I had to knock on doors. I was writing emails and I did it. I got back on track working harder than ever. It all works out for a reason. And yes, I do like to take the positives in every situation. I look back at that time thinking it was brilliant. But yes, I'm glad I did it. But also, I'm glad I came home. That gave me the courage to make big decisions. When one door closes, another one will open. So then over the next couple of years, everything thankfully moved in a great direction. 
Myself and my girlfriend, Michaela, set up a performing arts school, Stage Kids Academy, which I have to say is one of the proudest decisions I have ever made. Like always, it took a while. It took a little bit of convincing. Like I mentioned at the start, I have this thing of being afraid to fail. I don't know where I got it from. I can have a hundred ideas. I'll hesitate to actually get going because I can never take that first step. Having the school has been absolutely amazing. I love every minute of it. Seeing a child come in that's shy or has no confidence, maybe doesn't know anyone in the class, to two weeks later bouncing in the doors full of life is the best feeling in the world. And I can't really describe it. I don't really know how to put it into words. I love it. If that's actually all I could do for the rest of my life is Stage Kids Academy, I would be very, very happy. I've been very lucky over the last couple of years to work on stage, screen, plays. I did one recently with a hero of mine, Jim Sheridan, where I played the part of a young Brennan Bean. The panto had gone from strength to strength. It was all going great. But I came to a point last year where I just felt stuck in a rut. To everyone else, it was looking in. It seemed like I was flat out. Things were flying. And they were. But I didn't know why I was feeling like that. I needed something new. I wanted a new challenge or a project. I didn't know what it was. And I didn't take what I had for granted. But there definitely was something missing. And then I started to think, will I walk away from it all? Will I just give up? Should I get a a nine to five? I was at a crossroads and I needed that change. And I needed it very, very quick. And then my phone rang. A producer from Dance with the Stars It was actually this time exactly last year when the phone rang. The second they said, would you be interested in doing this season of Dancing with the Stars? I said yes straight away. I think it was the quickest decision I've ever made in my life. I'd followed this program from the beginning since it started over in England on Strictly Come Dancing. I'd watched it for years. Then when Dancing with the Stars came to Ireland, I sat home every Sunday with my mum and dad watching it. I was a huge fan. And talking about it now, I still can't believe I got to do it. It just started this whole mad journey for me. This to me was one of the most important opportunities that has ever come my way. I loved every second of the whole experience. I never imagined I would get a chance to do it. And I made the best memories. I had the most incredible time. Julia was my partner. She was amazing. The rehearsals were tough, but I never wanted it to end. Every week it was like living my dream. Going onto that floor, my mom, dad, Michaela in the audience cheering on. I'll never forget it. Even the support from the public was incredible. Before we started rehearsals, I never told the producers about my scoliosis or kyphosis. I thought it would go against me, to be honest. And I didn't want them to have a reason not to pick me for the show. I I suppose it was probably a bit of self-consciousness about it as well. But as the rehearsals went on, I started to have more and more pain from my back. We were dancing 12 hours a day, nonstop, a lot of lifts, holding yourself in a certain ballroom pose. It was very, very difficult. I eventually mentioned it to one of the producers. She looked at me and said, talk about it. I said, no way. I said, it's going to sound like a sob story or an excuse. First of all, she was shocked that I even had it. She was like, how are you doing what you're doing? And I was like, I don't know. I've just been doing this my whole life. I don't want to tell anyone. She said, if there was a girl or boy watching the show with scoliosis and maybe they've been told that they can't do something, wouldn't you want to be the role model for them? And I said, yes, yes, of course I would. And she said, well, then talk about it. 
And that's when I opened up about my scoliosis on this year's Dancing with the Stars. I was finally saying out loud something that I had been dealing with my whole life. I danced the rumba that week, probably the slowest, most difficult dance you could ever imagine. I picked a song, it was Fix You by Coplay. It was one of the best moments of my life. And opening up was one of the best things I ever did. And I'm very grateful to the show for giving me that platform to do it. So that's where the idea of this podcast actually came from. Nobody knew my experiences, nobody knew my path. But once I started talking about it, people wanted to listen. These real life stories of people, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, that's what brings us together and help us feel a connection. Talking about my scoliosis on TV brought back so many memories of pain, embarrassment, the struggle of it, that feeling of being at the top of the class in England and how that teacher made me feel, it came back to me. It was a very emotional experience. The whole week in rehearsals, I cried and I thought back of being that 17-year-old all over again and told you'll never make it, told you'll never amount to anything, told to give up. And 10 years later, I was living my dream. It was surreal. And when Dance With The Stars came to an end, the lockdown came in and that's how I'm here now talking to you. It's been a crazy few years. Jesus, it's been a crazy few months. And that's just some of my story. Hopefully you've gotten to know me a little bit better. I'm really looking forward to sharing some incredible stories with you throughout the whole podcast series that are just waiting to be told. And I hope you all join me on the journey. I have some amazing people lined up. We'll get to know their highs and lows, the opportunities, the struggles, and maybe we'll even find their second chance. I feel like that same kid again, taking another chance, just hoping for the best and ready for whatever comes my way. So that's it. That's the first episode of Second Chance. Thanks a million for listening. And if you've made it this far to the end, thank you so, so much. Until the next time, I'm Ryan, and this is Second Chance. Thank you.